The Bible is usually read as an intense collection of books, and it is. However, the Bible has plenty of humor to teach us important lessons about our relation with him and with one another. Feel free to have a few laughs this week. Welcome to the Pilgrim Song. Hello and welcome to the Pilgrim Song. I'm Alexander. And I'm Charlie. And we're your favorite interracial friends talking about Jesus. Today we have a very fun episode, um, but it's also been a nice week. Uh, you enjoying the weather, Charlie? Oh, it's been so nice. It's a beautiful <laughs> fall day. It's nice and cool. Yep. 50, 56 here in Tuscaloosa oh, this morning. So nice. Um, terrible, honestly, though. <laughs> I hate the cold, so. Uh, but yeah. It's it's welcome to fall. Hope you guys had a nice opening week of pumpkin spice and other such things. Uh, but again, as we mentioned, we have a fun episode. Uh, we are we are all about teaching truth here on this podcast. We've been really trying to do that when we go through our scripture and understanding different social issues and all of that. Uh, but the Bible does a lot of uses a lot of different techniques in order to teach us, and one of those is humor. So we decided that we were going to have a little bit of fun. Uh, we also want to make it very clear that we're not trying to make fun of the Bible. As a matter of fact, that's not what we're trying to do at all. Um, but the Bible does teach us in some different ways. So we want to have respect for the scripture, as we believe we do. Um, but in addition, talk about some things that are humorous and the lessons that it teaches us behind these. Uh, so anything else you want to say in our little caveat? Yeah, here? no, I, I think, I mean, I definitely think God has somewhat of a sense of humor. For sure. I, I can't imagine him not. So I think some of the, the things that he does are, are, you know, you really get to see like a hint of like sarcasm kind of in there and like very like fitting punishments for people. I think it's, mm-hmm. I think it's really, really cool. And it's cool to bring those things to light because, you know. For sure. Yeah. And that's why I think <clears throat> even in Jesus' teaching. So Jesus' earthly ministry, he is an example that everyone's like, we talk about judge not all the time. But you don't, I think sometimes we oversee the humor in having a speck in one person's eye and a literal log through your eye. He's making a joke and being very hyperbolic. So we see a lot of that in scripture and even in Jesus' teaching. So we're going to be talking about a couple stories uh, today that we find a little bit humorous and talking a little bit about the lessons that come also with them uh, and things we should be learning as well. So we're going to have some fun. Uh, the first story that we're going to talk about is one of my favorites. Uh, comes from Judges. Two of mine are going to come from Judges. Spoiler alert. Uh, firstly, we have the story of Gideon that starts in Judges chapter 6. Now, Gideon is often seen as a really good judge uh, for a lot of reasons, leading the 300 against the Midianites. But at the end of Gideon's life, it becomes a lot less uh, straightforward. He becomes much more of a uh, uh not a good character. Let's just put it that way. We see at the end, he gives, he makes an ephod for the Israelites to struggle with when it comes to idolatry. And then he forms his own harem, which is multiple wives. And after he tells them, I refuse to be your king, and then does a bunch of king stuff. And then has a kid named Abimelech, which means my dad is the king. So did he really not think he was king? Not really sure. But the story really comes in with Abimelech in Judges chapter 9. Now, the opening we have to Abimelech's story is he goes up to a people and says, 
wouldn't it be better for me to rule over you rather than the 70 of my brothers? And they're like, yeah, that's a good idea. So what Abimelech does is go goes and slaughters all of his brothers on a rock. Um, if that is your first action that we know of you in scripture, that's pretty bad. It's pretty awful. Uh, so he kills all 70 of his brothers. And it's like, that's just horrendous. Like, awful guy. But he kind of rules as this pseudo king pseudo judge character like he the reason he's in the judges isn't because he's an actual judge it's to kind of show the i think the influence of gideon's <clears throat> lack of leadership and what he did awful at the end um but he reigns for like three years and then finally he starts turning against his peop the people who are his allies and the final story, after he's burned down a village, killing women and children and everybody, they climb, everyone's in these towers that are built to protect the people. So he's going and everyone is staying away from the tower and they're like, and Abimelech's like, you idiots, like, we're going to go burn down this tower just like we've done every other tower in every other village. So he goes up <clears> to the tower and a brave woman drops a millstone on top of Abimelech's head and it crushes his skull. And he's definitely going to die. So his reaction to this is, I don't want to die. Because if I die like this, then everyone's going to know that a woman killed me. And <clears throat> so he says his arm tells his arm bearer to kill him. And his arm bearer, which I typically think would be like loyal, that he stabs him. So he kills him. And it's like this really tragic ending to this story just as it stands. But then as we come to 2 Samuel, we start reading over this and... Um, and Uriah specifically makes this mention of Abimelech. And he says, don't get too close to a tower because remember what happened to Abimelech when he got killed by a woman in the millstone. And that's just so hilarious that this, the, the thing you wanted <laughs> least of all to happen is exactly what you are remembered for. So if you go through, read through Abimelech's story in Judges 9, take heed some advice. When you have allies... You should probably not mistreat them and not burn down their villages. That would be some good advice. But like, in all seriousness, the way that Abimelech treated everybody in this situation, whether it be his family or his lack of relationship with God altogether, it ended up burning his life to the ground. Anger and pride only lead to destruction and probably destruction the way that you wouldn't want to happen. In other words, as Jesus would put it, what would it like? What does it matter if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? So, tragic. A little bit funny. <laughs> yeah. All right, sure. Charlie. What what you got for your first story? <clears throat> yeah. So my first story uh, comes out of First Samuel, uh, chapter five, and 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 it's the first five verses. Um, but the story really kind of starts before that. So this is the story of when the Philistines captured the Ark of the Covenant. Mm -hmm. Which really, the, the story in chapter 4 is almost kind of funny as well when the Israelites are going up against uh, the Philistines in battle and they're not doing well. So their solution is, let's bring the ark in. <laughs> if we bring the ark in, we will win because there's no way God will let us lose if the ark is with us and they lost. So they, uh, yeah, so they lose the ark to the Philistines. Philistines take it, bring it back with them. And the place that they put it, and, and probably is like, a, in their mind, a fitting place, is like, you just captured this other god, basically, and you defeated him. 
So what better way to kind of show that off than to put that in the temple of your God mm. to like show your God, like, look, you've defeated this other God and then use that to like praise Dagon, who was their <laughs> God. So they put the ark in the temple of Dagon uh, and some interesting things happen. I'm actually just going to read it because it's only the first five verses of First Samuel 5. And it says, when the Philistines captured the ark of God, they brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. And the Philistines took the ark of God and they brought it to the house of Dagon and set it beside Dagon. And when the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, behold, Dagon had fallen face downward on the ground before the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and put him back in his place. And when they rose early on the next morning, behold, Dagon had fallen face downward on the ground before the ark of the Lord. And the head of Dagon and both his hands were lying cut off on the threshold. Only the trunk of Dagon was left to him. This is why the priests of Dagon and all who enter the house of Dagon do not tread on the threshold of Dagon and Ashdod to this day. So, <laughs> yes, this is, this is a good story. And there's a lot of like good stuff about this. But I really like, you kind of see like the irony in the story almost. It kind of comes out. And also like somewhat of like God's like sarcasm, I feel like coming mm. out too against the priests of the Philistines. So like obviously God is upset with Israel and, and what they did and how they weren't looking to him. And they kind of did, but they, they essentially used the ark almost like an idol. Oh, yeah. yeah. In the story before. And then it gets put up next to an idol. And so God teaches the Philistines a lesson. Right, knocks their god prone before the ark. So like they <laughs> they bring the ark in, they set it up in the temple. They're like, "Look, Dagon, look at your power over this ark." And then the next day, Dagon is lying prone, which is like a a position of worship mm -hmm. in front of the ark. So like Dagon is worshiping <laughs> God, which is just like the funniest thing. To, I don't know, it's hilarious to me. So the priests walk in, they see that, and they're just like, "Oh, that's weird, you know, strong wind or something." I don't know, like. <laughs> Blew, blew the statue over. I don't know how big this idol was, but I imagine it being a pretty beefy oh, yeah. statue if it's in a temple, you know, not like a little like elf on the shelf, you know, <laughs> I picture him being like kind of big. Um, so they, they just like, oh, set him back up and they put him back. It's fine. Everything's fine. The next day they come in, he's like, once again, falling face down prone, but this time his head is off and his arms are off. Um, and now the priests and the people that go to worship Dagon do not cross that yeah. threshold ever to this day. It's just, <laughs> it's fantastic. I don't know. It, it's, it's funny, uh, but it's also cool that you get to see like the true power of God in this and how God, you know, makes these other gods quote, I'm putting air quotes around that, <laughs> fall down before him in worship yeah. because he's so great over them. And it's literally, yeah, it's so good. It's just oh, so fitting. Great. That's <laughs> a great story. So yeah, and not only that, they get infected with disease. Yeah, I was about to say it's only the beginning <laughs> of their of their issues with the art yeah. to the point where they're just like, all right, just give it back. Take just this. please take this away from us. <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. So, there, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of good stuff in that story for sure. So those those are two. <clears throat> they, they have their tragedies with them, and it, like it's not to just say, oh, this is entirely hilarious, but it is a reminder of who God is and the destruction that we can bring upon ourselves. Yeah. So, any other thoughts? No, that's uh, that's my first two. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to be right back to talk about some more stories.
Welcome back. Uh, so as we continue moving, uh, I think we're going to share our next two funniest stories that we see. Uh, and my next one comes out of the book of John, uh, chapter 13. And again, I'm going to read this again. Uh, this is this is one of the accounts of what we would view as like the Lord's Supper, like we talked about. Uh, and John's account of it's a little bit different than the other three, where he doesn't necessarily show the exact institution of it. He goes into a little bit more of Jesus's teaching throughout this. But one of the things that he does bring out is is this idea of when Jesus is trying to you know be like, hey, one of you is about to betray me. Uh, and I and I love and find the humor in the disciples' reaction when Jesus basically tells them who's going to betray him. In John 13, beginning in verse 21, it says, And after saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at the table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that the disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said, What you are going to do, do quickly. No one knew at the table why he said this to him. Some thought it was because Judas had the money bag. Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. Yeah, I mean, you can't help but not, like, kind of, like, laugh at this story. Like, it's so sad. Like, I don't, like, throughout the Gospels, the disciples missed the mark several times with Jesus' teachings. They're not, they're not quite there. They don't quite understand. But this one to me is, like, it's, it's the best. Like, it's just, like man, Jesus is like, okay, one of you is going to betray me. And immediately everybody's reaction is like, what is he talking about? And I just love how it's like Peter like motions to John. It's like, hey, hey, ask him, ask him who he's, ask him who he's talking about. Like He's the like, favorite kid. He's yeah, like, the no, disciple who he loves. It, cra- it just cracks me up. Like, it's just so funny. It's like, hey, man, ask, ask Jesus who he's talking about. And John's like, hey, Lord, he's just laying over on him. Who's going to do it? And Jesus is like, it's the person I'm going to give this piece of bread to after I dip it dips the bread, hands it to Judas. Everybody looks at Judas. Oh, it's, he's going to give money to the poor. <laughs> like, I, I know. I just, oh, and it cracks me up. And, they're, they're, and then they're still just like, Lord, is it I? Like, is it, and they're just like, it, what, what, what gets me about this is like, it's so obvious that the disciples, like they're, they're not paying attention like at mm. all to the situation. Likely Jesus says this and they automatically start going into a frenzy of like, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? And Jesus is like, it's this person. And they're like, is it me? Like, is it me though? Like, am I going to do this? Like, what is he talking about? Betray? Like what? Oh, Judas, he's going to give money to the poor. Like, yeah. Oh, uh, and that makes it so much better when they're like, Oh, where's Judas going? <clears throat> oh, he's going to buy food or, Oh, he's going to give money to the poor. You could not get further. At 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> it's like, it's so bad. You cannot get further from the reality of the situation. It's just, it's really sad. Like, what's funny about this is just how sad the situation oh, yeah. is. Because Jesus is obviously very distraught in the situation because he knows this person is about to betray him. And the disciples are just like, I don't know. I don't know how you missed that. And it's 
That, just, that gets me. Yeah. Like, that, that one gets me. And especially John writing this, I I bet in hindsight, he's oh, like, sure. oh, man, like, I really, I was right there. I could tell his emotions, yeah. like, and I just, I goofed up. Yeah. So. It's got, you know, it shows their kind of selfishness and like, you know, yeah. they don't care about Jesus. They all, they only care about themselves mm. and they're worried about like, oh, I hope I'm not the one that's going to betray him. Like, ooh, who's going to do it? Oh, no, it can't be Judas. Yeah. He's got the money bag. For sure. So humility and just listen to Jesus when he tells you something yep. really important. Always. <laughs> or else we're going to make fun of you. Mm. Any other story? <laughs> <laughs> any, any other uh, notes no. on that? No, no, no. But it, right. again, it's, it's a sad story, but it's, it's you know, Teachable it's a good moment. lesson for us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so my story comes back into Judges. Um, <clears throat> now... When it comes to ex stories, I'm sure everyone has a bad ex story. For instance, my first girlfriend burned the hoodie, which was one of the last presents I had from a deceased grandparent. Um, everyone has a bad ex story, and Samson uh, stands high and above most of them. Um, Samson is one of those really, really tragic stories, probably the most tragic story in all of Judges. And it's a picture of Israel. That they had received all these incredible blessings from God. They had been given strength that was not their own. They had, and all they had to do was listen to a couple rules and follow them and not just be terrible people and God would bless them. And they didn't do that. And neither do we see Samson do that. As a matter of fact, we see him abuse these things to the utmost. So what we have in the story is that Samson, he goes out and he finds a wife and he's like, Finds a girl, he's like, I want to make her my wife. This Philistine, and the Philistines are always bad news. And his parents are like, no, don't do that. And he's like, I, but I want to. So that you get her for me. Um, <clears throat> so then he goes, and at this wedding ceremony, uh, he says, if you guys solve this riddle, then I will give you some pairs of clothing, which I guess is like, it's a lot of money back in the day. Um, so then the people are like, well, this is a dumb riddle. Like, what are you talking about? Out of the eater came something to eat. It's like, what? That makes no sense. It's not even a riddle. It's the, um, it's the greatest <laughs> riddle of all time. <laughs> it's so, so, the, so he, they are like, they finally, after the like seven days, I'm pretty sure the wedding feast is partying on, and they're they're sick and tired. They want their clothes, and they're like, hey, Samson's wife, if you don't, you know, get tell us to answer this riddle, we're gonna kill you and your family. So she goes and finds out from Samson, and then Samson says something pretty misogynistic that I'm not going to repeat. Uh, but like, it's it's bad. Just go and read it. Yeah, go and read it yourself. And like, Samson is horrible the way he treats women in this story, and it really shows how Israel has been treating women. And he's just awful. So then, finally, he gets his. He's coming back for his wife after he kills all these people to take their clothes, and then the, his, his wife has gone off with his best man. It's like, what in the world? Like, you, Samson's in a really bad position, just as is. Now, your default reaction when an ex does something wrong to you, maybe you go do something really risky and really foolish and unwise. I don't think it goes through anyone's mind, firstly, that I'm going to go into a field and I'm going to grab 70 pairs of foxes and I'm going to tie them together and put a torch on them and then run them through some random person's field to burn up all their grain. I think that's the last thing that anyone has on their mind. But that's what happens. And uh, I, I, 
the skill and the speed <laughs> to catch 70 all these foxes like i've i've seen foxes much less like ran up and caught a fox and then to like i don't know what went through his head just foxes why didn't he just burn the field himself don't know uh but ends up with his now ex-wife being killed and her family anyway and it's just again samson's story is completely full of ridiculous irony and utter tragedy uh because he just cannot number one control like his emotions slash his drive to have relations with women he can't control that and on top of that he also just is so angry at everything and doesn't fear god enough to think about what are the repercussions of what i'm doing or the fact that i've been given these gifts and these abilities and what i do use it instead to do is burn down a people's field with foxtails like i just i don't know it, it makes no sense to me but there's a lot of tragedy in samson's story and good reminders for us. So. Everything about that story. Samson's <laughs> whole life is just funny. Like, oh, it's yeah. just, it's so sad. Again, it's it, funny it, because it's sad. Mm-hmm. But like, man, as greatest riddle of all time, <laughs> out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. I mean, yeah. 10 out of 10. <laughs> That's fantastic. And then the fact that like, He's like, oh, I'll get you, I think it's like 40 changes or something. Like it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a lot of it's clothes. It's a lot of clothes. And the way he's going to get them is by going, killing people and taking their clothes. And it's oh, just yeah. like, oh my goodness. And then and then his line about his wife when he's talking about her to his friends. And then he gets, and then he has the audacity to get mad when she leaves him. Yeah. And it's like, oh, oh. but it is with his best man. Oh, it's so sad. Oh, yeah. Just... There's so much, there's so much sadness in that story. <laughs> And then, yeah, at least it's a Philistine field, I guess, that it, he burns. But it's like a rent. It's not even like her family's field. Yeah, it's, no, just it's just like some guy. <laughs> <laughs> probably some old man wakes up his fields on fire like, what did I what? do? <laughs> Dagon, why? <laughs> Dagon, why? Dagon, Dagon. no. That's what they get for still in the ark. There you go. Boom. It so comes back before the arc. It is yeah. before the arc story. Oh. Just before it. Though. So. <laughs> oh man. Oh Samson. Yeah. The judges again. If we do a podcast like this again, we'll probably be back in the judges because it's just full of ridiculous, ironic memes. So, yeah. but yeah. Any other thoughts on Samson's story? Uh, so many thoughts, but <laughs> nothing for this. <laughs> no, <man. laughs> oh, All right. Man. So we've got one more section, two more stories for y'all, and we will be right back. We hope you guys have enjoyed this episode as much as we have, but we have two more stories that we want to talk about, and we are in the New Testament, very close to one another here um, in in terms of the chapters. So, 
out of Acts chapter 19, we have a very interesting story. Something that happens very commonly in the first century is actually having Jewish exorcists. Um, they were pretty widely known. I don't know how effective they were. I know one very effective one. Perhaps you've heard of him too. His name's Jesus. Um, but some of these other ones don't know how effective they were at actually casting out demons and whatnot. But what we have is Paul, who is in Ephesus, and he's doing all these incredible things, casting out demons, healing people. And naturally, that's going to get you some copycats. If anyone thinks you are able to, like, like Paul, we think is obviously doing this for real, but people are going to be copycats. They're going to try to copy your success or, or whatever else. So what we have is these seven sons of Sceva, and they hear of a man who has a demon in him or a couple demons in him. Um, and they are getting ready. They're going to invoke the name of Jesus in order to cast out these demons. Uh, so it just, it becomes, this like, it's very serious from the beginning. Like, okay, so Paul is doing his miracles. And then these guys are claiming to do these miracles in the name of Jesus. They're going to cast out this demon. And the demon responds to them like Thanos in Endgame. <laughs> I don't even know who you are. Like, I know who Jesus is, and I've heard of Paul. Um, and that's that's pretty interesting to me. Like, so, mm -hmm. of course, the demon's going to know Jesus. We he, we see that in James, where he's like, even the demons believe in who Jesus is. They're just rebellious. Um, and then Paul, like, he, he ha he's not omniscient, so he has an understanding of who Paul is. But, like, Paul's not God, so a little bit, it's very different there. But you guys, I have no idea who you are. So in response, the demon beats them and leaves them running out of this building naked. If you ever want to know who wins a fight, it is the person who has beat you until your clothes are off and you run out of the building. Um, and it's just like one of those stories like, <laughs> what? So these, these poor fake Jewish exorcists get like run out. And this goes on to show everybody, like, this is serious. Like, you don't invoke the name of Jesus claiming that you have this power or this authority. You don't know Jesus. You don't actually have this power. Um, so I think that goes to say a lot about faith healers and stuff like that today. But I think it does go back also to the Ten Commandments. Do not use the name Lord's name in vain. And that doesn't just mean saying, oh, my word or, or well, you know, the other word for it. I'm not comfortable saying it. But it's not just saying that. But it's also abusing the Lord's name for you, for your personal clout or self-interest, popularity, money, anything else like that. You abuse God's name and you use it to glorify yourself. This, this will, it's like you're not going to just get beat up by a demon. The end result on Judgment Day is going to be far worse. So take that into consideration. Use God's name appropriately. But the best part is like, to me, like the way they use his name, like in verse 13, the way the ESV reads is when they're, when they're calling to the spirit, it's, uh, and they said, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. <laughs> yeah. Like, Hey, demon by that guy, Paul was talking about come out of that man. Yeah. Like it's not even, I adjure you by Jesus come out of that man. No, it's, by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. The like, Jesus. Like, that guy. <laughs> yeah, that dude Paul's talking about. I don't know who that is, but yeah, him. Come out of that man. And they're like, Jewish, so they don't even like believe in they don't even believe Jesus. It's a bad it's a bad move. So yeah. This is a scary demon. He's mean. 
He's oh mean. <laughs> beats them till they're all naked. It beats them till they're naked. Unbelievable. Uh, all right. Do you have any other thoughts on the Sons of Skiva? Just, you know, God is glorified in the story ultimately. Mm-hmm. But it is... It does. It does crack me up. Everybody like, knows. They they don't even know Jesus at all. It's just like the, the I just love that the word does by, <laughs> by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. <laughs> <laughs> They're not even using his name. I mean, no. I guess I was like, uh, uh, come on. Uh, um, but you know, I guess I guess the one good note at least they recognize that Jesus is powerful. I guess I don't know. I get it. If you're gonna take know. something away positive from that from them. <laughs> Just lessons uh, to learn. Just yeah. <laughs> All right. So my my last story. Um, it's a classic. It's one that I remember hearing about as a child and seeing it like you know acted out in class with like little like you know thingies or whatever. Um, and that you mean, like, is popsicles. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you know, like little people. Like, okay. oh, there he goes. Like, like Eutychus. You know, Eutychus and. You know, when you hear the name Eutychus, there's probably a lot that pops into your mind. But ultimately, right, it's the guy that fell asleep during Paul's lesson. Mm. And, and, and in Acts chapter 20 is where this takes place. Uh, and beginning in verse 7 of Acts 20, it says, On the first day of the week, when we gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day. And he prolonged his speech until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered. And a young man named Eutychus, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep. And Paul talked still longer, and being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down and bent over him, and taking him to his arms, said, Do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. When Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with him a little while longer until daybreak, and so departed, and they took the youth away alive and were not a little comforted. Man, poor Eutychus. Like... (laughs) Like you were talking about with Abimelech and not wanting to be remembered for being killed by, you know, a woman. Yeah. Like Eutychus, it's, it's all, I'm going to say it about tops it. Like the guy is only remembered for falling asleep during a lesson, yeah. which I love it because of just how relatable this story is. <laughs> I mean, we've all been there, right? It's a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. You had a long day or it's early morning. You didn't sleep well. Your preachers tired. are annoying. They're the worst. Preacher gets a little dry. <laughs> Start kind of dozing off, like you know. I've never, I've never actually fallen asleep. I'm proud of that during worship. But I mean, I've wow, seen some some people, you know, they just they just power through it, man. A mouth open, head back, <laughs> like they're gone. My favorite one is I had a, there was a guy he popped up his collar on his suit jacket. Oh no, like he had his Bible, yeah, he had his Bible open in his in his lap, oh, so no. he was like looking down looking into down it in his sleep. It was completely it was great. <laughs> I had a guy snoring one time, not when I was oh. preaching, but I heard like we heard somebody snoring one time during a lesson. That was hilarious. It's so sad. Oh man. But you to kiss man, I mean, you know, Paul, he's leaving the next day, so he obviously wants to just, you know, finish out his message. I mean he's gotta he's gotta push it through this last night and so he's He's going all night, right? He's, and no doubt it's emotional. Like, oh, this is the last sure. time he's going to see these people. Like, he's, Yeah. And, and you know, you got to have some level of respect because, you know, Eutychus is there, right? Mm-hmm. He probably has work maybe the next day. I don't know. If, it, if they're breaking bread, it's he could have been the first a, day of the especially week. Especially at night. Is, yeah. He probably was a slave. Like, maybe, yeah. I didn't think about that. Um, but, you know, he probably had stuff to do the next day. And instead of going home and getting some sleep, he decides to stay and hear Paul, right? Mm-hmm. And it shows you the priority and the love that he has for Paul and for Paul's message about Jesus. 
So obviously he's a pretty strong follower if he's there with these people in this upper room. But, you know, he falls asleep. And I love that it says he falls asleep and then Paul keeps going even longer. Like <laughs> Eutychus falls asleep uh, and, Paul, and as Paul's talked still longer. And it's like, I wonder if Paul noticed. Like, I'm sure he probably did. This guy like chilling in the window seal. Probably had a nice cool breeze coming in from mm, the outside, yeah. you know, a nice coming soothing, over the water. Yeah. soothing Paul voice <laughs> talking to you, and he just he's gone, and then Paul just just powers on through mm. it, and he's still t- telling the message. And Here's then, some advice for you out there: your preacher sees everything. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just he can't help it. He he's gone, and he falls into a deep sleep, and out the window he goes. Free stories, man. That's thud. Um, but yeah. And then, but, you know, again, in this story, like the, the important part is that you see the power of God through this as well, because mm-hmm. he's raised. Although I was talking to Alexander before, it's kind of funny that it doesn't actually say that he was raised until the end of the end of the story. It's like he, he falls over, he falls out, he's dead. And Paul walks down, and he starts taking his arms and says, do not be alarmed for his life is in him. And then Paul and they, they went and broke bread. It never says he raised them. And then they went and broke bread. It's like, oh, his life's still in him. And they broke bread. And then at the end of the story, you realize, oh, and he walked, the youth walked away. It's like, I don't know. Oh, man. <laughs> so much like, oh, man. It's just, wow. Oh, fun times. It's a classic. You've probably heard it's a, classic. a preacher it's, yeah. say something about don't fall asleep. All the don't jokes. Don't be Eutychus. All the Eutychus jokes. Yeah, poor guy. I mean, that's, you know... It's cool. Hey, he's in the Bible. That's cool. He's yeah. remembered forever. But he's remembered forever as the guy that fell asleep during a lesson. And now preachers forever will use that to make fun of people. That's true. And but we'll we'll see him in heaven. So it's like, yeah, don't make fun of him too much. I also wonder how young he is too. He talks about oh being, yeah, he's he's, he's youth. So like, I wonder like how young is young in their mind? Like we talking like a kid, a teenager. Like the interpretation like, of Joseph when he's taken off is like, especially when I was in kids' class, it's like, he was like 10 years old. And I'm like, he's probably like 25. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know it says young, but yeah. Oh, uh, Eutychus. Anyway. Hey, at least he's in the Bible. That's true. My name's not in the Bible, so. Char- Charlie isn't. That's a really American, I modern I thing. Mine is. It's only used badly, so. <laughs> So oh, well. at least at least he's not. I'm gonna, you know we need to bring somebody needs to bring Eutychus back. Somebody needs to bring the name Eutychus back. Sounds like something for you to do. No, I'm good. No, you you'll do. I'll it. name one of my dogs Eutychus. <laughs> <laughs> somebody I've never I don't think I've ever met anybody named Eutychus. Yeah, I, I don't think so. That's or Samson, or Bimelech. I've met dogs named Samson or Dagon. <laughs> don't bring Dagon back, <laughs> and don't name your child Jezebel. That's Jezebel. unbelievable that that happens. A classic Judas. <laughs> never. I don't know any Judases. I don't know any Judases. Oh, well. We have to do a names podcast. At least those are bad. I mean, Eutychus, he did a good thing. Right? That's true. He was there. Eutychus. Hashtag bring Eutychus back. <laughs> Starting a movement. New sticker idea. All right. <laughs> so, we guys hope that you enjoyed this podcast. We really enjoy going through these stories. But as, you know, there's not six funny stories in the Bible. There's a lot more than that. So if you guys would like us to do another podcast similar to this one, another episode similar to this one, please let us know. We'd love to hear your feedback. Um, but yeah, any other thoughts as we as we go on? No, I just, I love the Bible. Oh, and I love that they have stories like this. For sure. It. It's really good. And especially with Eutychus, it's like, you know, when you read books, it's it's easy to like fantasize. I feel like certain characters, 
But like when you read stories like this, you're like, no, nah, that's a real person. Oh yeah, that's that's me. <laughs> I am Eutychus. You know, like it's just it's good. That's know? one of the things about the Bible. It's so real. Like it's just like these are characters I could be. And you read things about the I sons I of Sceva and like absolutely failing <laughs> against a, getting beat to their naked. It's or like, Elijah just being so upset that he needs food. <clears throat> Like, yeah, he's a little, he's a little hangry. Like, that's another say that for the next time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good. So we, like, there's some definitely some good I just, hum, yeah. humorous stories for us to do. Brings out the humanity in the Bible. Absolutely, you know, makes the characters relatable, and that makes it so much better, more easily applicable to your life. Mm-hmm. You can relate to the the people that you read about. So, yeah. Yeah. so God has a personality for sure, and it's reflected in His creatures. That is in us. So uh, we, again, we we really enjoyed this episode. Hope you guys have a blessed week. Enjoy the beginning of your fall. Have some pumpkin spice. You enjoy that. Fall, (laughs) y'all. I do have a tape, not a a (laughs) tablecloth. What's that? Where you walk into a house? Doormat. Doormat. I have a doormat. (laughs) I laid a tablecloth at my door. See, people can wipe their shoes on. (laughs) I am a meme as well. So, (laughs) hope you guys have a blessed week. Thank you all for listening. Have a good one. See you next week.